Today's a reminder message. There's teaching messages. There's convicting messages. There's all kinds of different messages. But every now and then, we need to have a reminder. Just simply a reminder. Some encouragement, if you will, uh, to show us just what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Now, as I look at it, I know most of you. Um, most of you are followers of Christ. Or you would be somewhere else this morning doing something else. However, there may be some here today that have never made that decision to accept Christ as Savior. But I, this message is for all of us today. An encouragement message to, for you to remember who you are in Christ. What He's done for us specifically. And just how we can deal with life because we know about the joy that He's given to us. Now I have to say that Christians tend to be some of the most defeated people that I ever run into. Sometimes they walk around with all over their face that they are living in defeat. And God did not design us to live that way. And I want to make sure that we understand that today. And it seems like the world would constantly throw at us fear and things to be afraid of all the time. And it's one of Satan's greatest tools that we would live our lives scared. And that's not the way Christ intended us to live our lives. We have abundant life through Jesus Christ. And I want to talk about that with you this morning. We forget that we serve the God of the universe. The God that spoke the stars into existence. The God that created the vast expanse out there that we don't even understand about quite yet. He chose the foolish things of the world, the Bible says, to shame the wise. And we're talking about a God that's that powerful. A God that is all-knowing. A God that is everywhere at once. A God that is all-powerful. And most of us have crossed over from darkness to light. And Paul uses this analogy, this example in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, chapter, or verses 7 through 16. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out, what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And we as Christians... Oh, we wander around in this life forgetting that the days are evil. Expecting something different from evil. I still laugh every time I hear somebody at a pageant somewhere or someone who's asked a question about what they really want and they say, world peace. I really want world peace. Folks, i got news for you if you didn't know this already. God says in the Bible through the authors there, that's not going to happen. He said He came to turn family members against each other as a result of the gospel message. And we know that there's not going to be perfection and there's not going to be harmony until someday when we get to heaven. So if we've made this decision to be in the light, and most of you have, what does this decision actually mean? If you have said, I want to be in the light, I want to live in the light, I want to walk in the light, what does that specifically mean to me as a follower of Jesus Christ? So I want to remind you, if you're in the light, I want to tell you what's available if you're still in darkness, 
so you know what this Christian life is all about. So I'm going to give you four things this morning, four reminders of what we are and who we are because of Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. We're new creations. The Bible tells us that we are brand new. And you may have been a new creation for a long, long time, but you may have forgotten that you are. And the Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Let's read that together. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and following. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. One of my favorite verses. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What powerful, powerful words. What a powerful concept that we as God's people would understand exactly what he has done for us. You know, for some of us, it was a radical transformation. For some of us, it was not so radical of a transformation. In Sunday school here at Mundell a few years back, The adult Sunday school class upstairs, we spent weeks with everybody who attended that class standing up and giving their life story. You had the whole hour if you wanted, and there were some that got done in 10 minutes, and there were some that needed four hours to get through that. But you were telling your life story, where you had been, what had happened, and it was fascinating. It was really a testimony, if you will, but that's a Pentecostal word, and we independent Christians get a little nervous about that. Uh, but but it, was, it was giving a testimony. And these people stood up and told where God had led them and how God had brought them through rough and difficult times, and, and it was amazing. And it was wonderful to hear both sides of the equation. God's power to keep us away from depravity all of our lives, for those of us who have grown up in church and God helping us stay the course through all that. And then it was also interesting to see the depravity that God has rescued people from. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But however radical that transformation, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. When you sin now, if you know Jesus as your Savior, when you sin now, you are not identified as a sinner. Oh, let that sink in. Let that sink in. That God is not looking at us through Jesus and thinking, that is nothing but a worthless sinner. He is looking at us and thinking, that is my son or that is my daughter. Because we are new creations that He has accepted. No one typically likes their past. We like to have some of that stuff done away with. What we once were. Sometimes we don't like to talk about it. We don't like it to be part of who we are now. And praise God, we're children of the King. 
Praise God that all that stuff can be in the past now because we have been made brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. And folks, that is powerful. That we are royalty, that we are a child of the King. So you have been made brand new. I want you to know that and remember that this morning and be reminded of it that we have been made brand new in Christ. The second thing is that new creations in Christ are forgiven. New creations in Christ are forgiven. And on the surface, this sounds so simple. It sounds so plain that the Christian would understand what forgiveness is. But so often we don't. How many of you have trouble forgiving people? Oh my goodness. I'm kind of like that country song, I don't remember who sings it, that I just want to be mad for a while. You know, I'll, I'll think about forgiving you, and I'll, I'll get for a while at some point in time, but right now, I just want to be mad at you. Right now, I just want to carry this chip on my shoulder for a while. Right now, I just want to be angry. And, and we're like that so often, every one of us. We have trouble with this idea of forgiveness. I think we have the most trouble with forgiveness because we don't understand God's forgiveness. We don't understand how total and complete His forgiveness is. And when we begin to understand His forgiveness of us then things begin to change. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, You see, at just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This morning I want to give you some traits about God's forgiveness that I want you to get. Because these are traits that we can apply to our own lives as we forgive other people and as we forgive ourselves. First of all, God's forgiveness is not based on what we can do for Him. It's not based on what we can do for Him. And so often we forgive people based on that. Based on whether or not we need a relationship with them whether or not they can do something for us. And God's forgiveness is not based on that. We can do nothing for Him that He needs, that He cannot do for Himself. Or, as Scripture said, raise up rocks to do His bidding. God can do that. His forgiveness is not based on what we can do for Him. His forgiveness is also complete. I love the, the passage in Psalms chapter 103, verses 11 through 13. Psalm 103, 11 through 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That he takes our sins and he puts them as far as the east is from the west. Jerry Humphrey gave an illustration one time at a, at a devotion at the board meeting at church that I've never forgotten. That says basically if you walk in an eastern direction, you will never be walking west. And if you walk in a western direction, you'll never be walking east. You're always walking west. You're always walking east. And that's how far away God separates the sins that we commit from him. As far as the east is from the west, he doesn't remember them anymore. When God forgives, it's complete and it's done with. And this is something that we have in Christ. And something that needs really to register with us. First of all, that we're a new creation. Second of all, that we, we were forgiven in Jesus. Now, 
when God forgives, it's complete and done with. And I want to tell you again, as I have told you before many times over the last 23 or 4 years that I've been preaching here, if you keep having a sin come up in your face that you have been forgiven of and you have asked God's forgiveness for, Maybe it's something in your past that you just really don't want to even think about and it just keeps coming up and keeps coming up and you keep feeling guilty about it. I want you to know that's not God. That's the devil reminding us of our sin. And it's one of his greatest tactics that he reminds us or tries to remind us that we are not worthy of the grace of God, that we're not worthy of his righteousness. And I've got news for you. You're not worthy of his grace and his righteousness. None of us are. It's a free gift. But don't let Satan trick you. Don't let him tell you. Don't let him tell you that you are worth less than what you are as a child of God. That's a huge tactic that he uses against people in telling us that we're not worth anything. God does not hold sin over our heads. Again, in 2 Corinthians 5:17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He doesn't hold sin over the head. Later in that same passage, it says, not counting men's sins against them. So reflect on that this morning just for a moment. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then He has forgiven you totally and completely. Not holding your sins against you. Now we live in a crazy world. You may have people hold sins against you. You may have other Christians, sadly, hold sins against you. But if you have repented of those sins and asked for God's forgiveness, that's something that we have in Christ that you need to be reminded of this morning. Total and absolute forgiveness from God through the person of Jesus Christ. Third, I want you to realize today, if you are a new creation, if you're a child of the King, if you have His royal blood flowing through your veins, I love that song, telling us what we are in Christ Jesus. We're a new creation. A new creation is also a co-heir. A new creation is a co-heir. That's number three. A new creation is a co-heir with Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature or to live according to it. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are his children, get this verse. Now if we are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. So a new creation is an heir. I bet I would lay wager this morning that none of you this past week have thought, I'm an heir of God. I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And maybe you thought about it, but I doubt it. It's not something that we think about very often. But Scripture is very clear that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that we get the same inheritance that He gets. That's what being an heir means. Just because we are His children. Just because we're His children, we're an heir. 
Now, because of who I am and what my last name is, I have some perks in this life. I have some perks in this life. I have a free loan-a-tool service whenever I need it. And I know where most of them are kept. And I can go over to Dad's garage, and I, there's probably a tool there that I don't have that I might need to use at some point in time because of who I am. I know that if I need advice, day or night, I can call family members and I can ask. And to the best of their ability, they will give me that advice. And being an heir, it's important. It's important. It, it attaches us to that particular family. My kids have some perks because of what their last name is. They can pretty well expect that there's be food when they come over if they want some. Uh, that grill lights really quick, and you know you can throw some things on it, and, and that's kind of a perk. They have a loan-a-tool service that they can come and borrow tools. I call it a steal-a-tool service, but, but it's really a loan-a-tool. I do expect to get it back, but, but they can come and, and borrow things from mom and dad, and they also can get advice whenever they want to. That's not something that I'm usually guarded with. If you want to know my opinion, I've probably got one about something. And so we, because we are members of families... Because we're members of families here on this earth, usually there are certain perks that are associated with that. The Bible tells us that Christ loves us as his children and that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? It means that I and you, if you know him as your Savior, have been given a salvation that can never fade, spoil, or perish that is waiting for us called heaven that we have been given that as a gift. We have been given a hope that does not disappoint us. That's been given to us. We've been given heaven that is waiting. I just cannot imagine what it must be like to walk down streets of gold and see all that for the first time. Gates that are made of pearl, people around you that, that love Jesus. Now, I hope my theology is not flawed. I, I think to get into heaven you have to love Jesus, okay? I love to get around and talk to groups of people who all love Jesus. This last weekend, down at Winter Valley, sitting around the campfire, talking to fathers and sons, everybody with differing opinions on all kinds of things, except one thing, that we love Jesus Christ, that He's our Savior. I love to spend time with people, and heaven's going to be full of people that love Jesus, that we're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. The hope of salvation and all these wonderful, beautiful things that we have to experience and enjoy in heaven. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing I want to mention to you very quickly is found in John chapter 10, verse 10. Most of you have this verse memorized, but I can't quit today without mentioning it because Jesus himself said it. And he said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You might have heard that translated before, abundant life. I like the way the New Living Translation says it here, that He has come to give us a rich and satisfying life. That's what we have in Christ. Now I want to ask you a question. I don't need an out loud answer, but I want you to ponder it for just a minute. How many of you know people who are Christians and say they love Jesus, who you know for a fact are not experiencing a rich and satisfying life? Everybody knows people like that. Isn't it sad? 
Partly it's because we equate rich and satisfying with the world's definition of rich and satisfying. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. We equate it with a 401k or money or stuff that we have. Rich and satisfying, folks, is found in relationships. Rich and satisfying is found in a joy that the world cannot touch. Rich and satisfying is found in living life without fear and dread of the future. That's where rich and satisfying is found. And the Bible says that God, He came, Christ came to give us that. A life that is rich and satisfying. The hope of salvation. Unshakable joy. So I want to remind you this morning, this is not stuff that you don't know if you were a follower of Christ, but it may be stuff that you haven't thought about before. But I want you to be encouraged today. And I want you to think about and ponder and meditate on this this week. That if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. The past is the past, and we move on with life because the old is gone. That's the way Christ operates. When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible gives us that promise. So the old is gone, and the new has come. You're forgiven. If you are a child of God, you're brand new, you're forgiven. Don't let Satan bring up things in your past, from your past, to defeat you and drag you down. Just don't do it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many people here have done something really, really stupid and sinful that they wish they had never done. Because every single one of us would raise our hands, unless you're a liar. Every one of us would raise our hands. We've all got that stuff in our past. The Bible says that we're cleansed of that that we're forgiven of that, and that we're a new creation, that we are forgiven. Don't let Satan defeat you by bringing up your past. His future is not looking very bright at all, and yours is. So bear that in mind as well. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Remember that. You have been adopted into His family, and you are a co-heir. The same inheritance as Christ. Powerful, powerful, that we as God's people realize that. That we have been given the hope of salvation. And we have been given all this stuff in Jesus. And finally, because of Jesus, we are supposed to experience abundant life. Life that is rich and satisfying. I want you to, for a moment not to think about that from the perspective of money at all. I want you to think about that of all the things that make you happy. And you know, one strange thing that I've found as I get older is the things that bring me the greatest happiness tend to be the things that are the most simple. Are you guys discovering that too? Just some time with some grandkids or some time getting together with family, relationships. Those are the things that make me the most contented and the most happy in this life. Not stuff that we can buy and things that we can accumulate. All those, those things give us happiness for a time. It's those relationships that really, really matter to me now. Christ came so that we can have it life and we can have it more abundantly. So we can have New Living Translation, a rich and satisfying life.
So this morning, if you have forgotten what you've been given in Christ, I want to remind you. You're brand new. You're forgiven. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And you're supposed to be experiencing a rich and satisfying life. So if you know God today as your Savior, remember these things. And if you're not experiencing a life that, is, that you would say is rich and satisfying, I hope most of you are, remember that Christ came to give you that. Not that you won't have problems. Not that there won't be difficulties. Not that there's not difficulties you're going through right now. But rich and satisfying life. That's what Christ came to give us. And we can find that in the strangest places. Remember that this scripture was written not just to us in the United States of America, but people in other countries who are wrought with poverty and don't know where their next meal is coming from? It's hard to believe that something rich and satisfying can be in their life. But the Bible says that's why Christ came, so that we are able to experience that. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that these are the things that Christ gives us because we accept Him as Savior and we are adopted into His family. I'm a child of the King. His royal blood now flows in my veins. I who was wretched and poor now can say, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for adopting us into your family. And, and Father, just please this morning help these, help these reminders to sink in of what you have given us through Christ. And that you would challenge us through the power of your Spirit uh, to remember all of these things this week and in the future that you've made us heirs, that you've forgiven us, that you've, you've adopted us into your family. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. And together we're going to sing step by step two times through.